1: A few weeks ago we talked twenty twenty three breakaway rush scores for the running back rookie draft class. Now we're adding breakaway receiving scores on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: All right, it's Dave and Curtis, and we're back on the Iz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're here to talk 2023 breakaway receiving scores for running backs. But first, we want to go back, Dave, just remind everyone from a couple weeks ago when we talked about breakaway rush scores, I think it was in late March, probably two, three weeks ago, you had a great article on the site just highlighting some of this year's most explosive running backs. And I actually really took notice after we talked about it. You know, basically with the breakaway rush score, Dave has created a metric where we normalize running back careers to 48 games. So we take whatever they're doing on an individual game basis, then we give them 48 career games so we can get past, you know, who didn't play this many games, especially now we got like weird COVID year stuff. Uh, in all of the, you know, production profiles. So it's kind of a cool way to level all of it out. But we're really looking at runs that are explosive, 15 plus yards, 20 plus yards, 30 plus, 40 plus, 50 plus. When we looked at the class through that lens, Dave, Dwayne McBride stood head and shoulders above everybody. And he ended up as my number two exposure in the underdog Big board oh, best ball contest. It. I went heavy on him, bro. After, after you, I, we looked at that data, I ended up 27% across 150 drafts on the wow. McBride. McBride was a huge late round exposure for me round 19 round 20. So, I mean, this, this was actionable stuff for me just to remind the listeners of some of the, the better performing backs in the class. Let's talk kind of like 50th percentile and above guys that, you know, pass the eye test. Uh, and this Dwayne McBride at the top with an incredible breakaway rush score of 242. It's like the third highest, maybe. It, it,
2: yes, it's the third highest. So an yeah. astute listener will know that Since the numbers have slightly changed. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I um, Long and the short of it is, I made one like little tiny adjustment. The scores have kind of changed. Players are still all relatively the same, but yeah. Uh, as a result, Dwayne, Dwayne McBride, man, one four or two. For, oh my gosh, two forty two, which is insane. Third highest uh, since I've been able to put this together with the available data, which is just absurd. And then also, Curtis, we have a couple of other guys scoring very highly. I will let you list off some of the names, and I have some thoughts.
1: Yeah, we have Zach Evans, Keaton Mitchell. Ty J Spears and Kendra Miller kind of rounding out the top five. These would be guys that are, you know, kind of top quartile uh, in their scores. And then going down a little bit further, some of the familiar cast of characters in the class, you got Bijan Robinson with a a 120, Devin Achain with a a 117. Uh, Go a little bit further down, you get Zach Charbonnet and Tank Bigsby still turning in scores of 112 and 107 respectively. So plenty of guys uh, to like in the class that are above uh, average in the database since 2014, a couple guys that are a little bit below average. And there's always, I mean, there's always context, but you know, that's the kind of cool thing when you extrapolate to 48 games, it, it highlights some things. Um, so Jameer Gibbs with an 89 lagging a little bit uh, compared to his peers in this class, Israel Abanaconda with an 86 and then Roshan Johnson with just a 42.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I want to just linger here, though, for a minute on Zach Evans, right? Because we mentioned McBride, but also Zach Evans, man, finishes in the top 11 uh, since 2014. And I know we've looked at some of these players before. Keaton Mitchell actually coming in really high, too. So I'm just going to read down one more time here through the top 20 Uh, I kind of almost want to extend it to top 25 to pull in a couple more names. But you got Melvin Gordon, Tevin Coleman, McBride, Danelle Pumphrey, Amir Abdullah, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Devin Singletary, Daryl Henderson, Zach Evans, Samajay Pirine, Kenneth Gainwell, Mitchell, Saquon Barkley, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Kareem Hunt, Brian Hill, Rashad Penny, Leonard Fournette, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, AJ Dillon, Jay Ajayi. We've talked about this. The point is, this is a spot where you want to be when you get into this range. And of course, there's misses. But given what I just read, obviously, this is a spot that you want to be into. So to set this up again and rehash, we have some players in this class that are honestly historically impressive in this metric. Doesn't mean that all of them are going to be hits, but it makes me feel like we might have one or two more players that are outside of the conversation (coughs) of some of these players that are expected to, you know, be stars at the next level that we might have a couple there that we don't know exactly who they are yet, but they are there.
1: All right. So, you know, just to, uh, I guess, to recap the breakaway rush scores, you know, the, the idea here is that players that can pop big plays, you know, even if they don't get the big draft capital when they do yep. get their opportunity, you know, they're, they're guys that might flash, you know, make make a big play. One of those first few attempts, you can get an expanded role. Um, obviously that can turn into fantasy viability, et cetera, et cetera. And Dave, as you read down that top 25, I mean, something like 22 of those guys ended up being yeah. pretty fantasy relevant at this point. So when you yep. hear, you know, McBride and Evans and Mitchell going in there, you know, those are guys that make a lot of sense to to chase, not just from a dynasty Uh, rookie draft perspective but also you know play some late round best ball uh, chips on them as well which I've obviously done so you know the purpose of today's episode uh, in addition just reminding people of the you know impressiveness of that metric and predicting fantasy viability is to layer on some new stuff so we're going to look at this year's class and then add on a layer of breakaway receiving score so Dave what was your approach to this and you know what are some of the findings?
2: Curtis, you can't hear it right now, but I just gave myself a drop. For the listeners at home, we are having a lot of technical difficulties right now. Hopefully, after we finish recording, I can put this into something that's listenable for you. Uh, but what I did, Curtis, it's very similar to the kind of exploratory process that I did when I was just looking at the rushing metrics. Uh, so basically, I just gathered a ton of play-by-play data for each player. Um, that we had in the data set from a rushing perspective, I gathered the number of receptions that they had greater than 10, greater than 15, greater than 20 and so on. Um, As a reminder, if a it's not mutually exclusive. So like if a reception went for 40 yards, it's going to count in the 10 bucket in the 15 in the 20, so on and so forth. Did some investigation And what I found was that a couple things are happening when you look at this. Not only is it apparent that receptions are useful here in predicting success for a player in terms of fantasy scoring in the NFL, that should have come as a surprise, but there also is a pretty neat thing that happens when you start looking at those receptions and you layer them on to the rushing breakaway rush score. So I experimented with just working in a kind of separate metric of breakaway receiving score. Uh, But what I found was (laughs) things are much better when you combine the two. And in the article, I'm going to break down a little bit more of exactly how to do it um, or the math behind it. But in its essence, it's a pretty simple formula. You take that normalized breakaway rush score that we had that we talked about a couple weeks ago where you're giving players level ground in terms of the games that they've played, but you are giving players that had more opportunity on a per-game basis uh, a a bonus, if you will. Now, on top of that, we look at the breakaway receptions that a player had, and we look at those from a total perspective. So if you're looking at somebody like... um, deuce vaughn for example who had 38 receptions that went for 10 or more yards in his career those receptions are now going to get layered onto the breakaway (laughs) rush score in a fairly simple way but in the way that i have found that when you put these together we get a metric that overall becomes even more predictive and actually significantly better than just breakaway rush score and I am going to be doing some more math once we finish up here tonight, but I think that this is going to be by a significant margin, the absolute best metric that we have seen by far for uh, predicting running back points per game in years one through three.
1: that's pretty exciting, man. Um, I want to go through the top guys that are standing out. Once you layer that on, I mean, really kind of sounds like you're setting this up as it's just going to be a breakaway score. It's a big play score. Yep. Um, It's a dynamic score. Uh, It doesn't really matter, you know, how you're getting that touch. But when you when you touch a ball, are you home run threat? So, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, It'll be interesting to see how little a player maybe like McBride is boosted by adding in, you know, non-existent um, receiving work. And and how much, you know, does Evans maybe close the gap? Uh, Does does this bring you know, Bijan Robinson closer to the top of the class and big playability, et cetera. So yeah. Why don't you take us through some of the notable names and then some of the surprises.
2: Sure. So what I do kind of want to do a little bit first here is lay out the guys that did get uh, enough receptions to actually accrue some of these big plays as receivers. As I mentioned, uh, Deuce Vaughn, Had 38 receptions of 10 or more yards, 24 in a 15 bucket, and 20 in the 19 bucket. Now, those don't don't all get layered into the final metric we're going to look at, but I think a larger takeaway here is that Deuce Vaughn looks like an explosive receiver, um, which I think that he's a player you're going to be looking at to play a specific role. And this is just kind of more evidence that as a receiver, he truly does bring something to the table that looks to be a little bit more elevated than your typical player. Because also if I were to look at percentages, Curtis uh, his percentages in terms of breakaway receptions to receptions that he actually earned would be pretty nice too. So
1: did the metric. Yeah. Did the metric give him like three inches of additional height? (laughs) Because I mean, (laughs) like the big plays are great he's still five five man
2: all right well we could we could start talking <laughs> Sproles. we could start yeah. talking other yeah. players yeah all right but 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 and i know it's different in the nfl he was still five five when he did this in college right yeah, that's and fair I enough. Think we, I, yeah i'm not i'm could, not
1: i i was really just trying to make a uh a funny comment yes, no, no. i don't want to get into as, well, like as a, a five five individual
2: stuff, myself i felt we, like i needed to uh
1: yeah we we can we can argue whether he's jj taylor or darren Sproles on another episode okay yeah
2: all right so another player that we had seeing a pretty significant amount of receptions Bijan robinson we know that his totals were good also added 30 receptions of 10 or more and 21 at the 15 bucket, this is going to give him a pretty nice jump. Not that he wasn't well positioned before, um, but this uh, is another you know feather in his cap. We mentioned Deuce Vaughn. Zach Charbonnet. How are we pronouncing it? Charbonnet Charbonnet. I feel like we've waffled on that.
1: Well, I mean, everyone seems to be saying Charbonnet. I was doing some research before the last episode mm-hmm. and listening to... Uh, listening to how some broadcasters were saying it and i've i've heard now uh charbonnet i'm looking for some footage of him saying his name so we will clear this up but i would say it's it's 90 10 people saying it in in a you know in a french way um, so we can okay. stick with Charbonnet for this episode. And I mean, we're okay. going to clear it up by the time <laughs> his, name, his name gets called probably next right. Friday. Right.
2: So, yeah. So Charbonnet, uh, 21 receptions of 10 or more, 10 or more at the 15 mark. Uh, Evan Hull at 27 and 17. Yeah, Then we've mentioned Jameer Gibbs adding in 33 at the 10 mark and 19 at the 15 mark, uh, which is, <sighs> speaks to one of the reasons that we and others have been so high on gibbs we do like his rushing ability didn't score as highly in the pure breakaway rush score but this is going to help him out a little bit when we put them together and then eric gray and kenny mcintosh two other players that did not score very good when we looked at just the pure rushing Uh, but they add uh, gray for example 29 in the 10 bucket 13 in the 15 bucket then Macintosh had 26 at 10, 13 at 15, uh, also had nine beyond 20. Now 20, we start to see a pretty big cliff for some of these players. Uh, but to go back to Deuce Vaughn had 19 at 20 or more. Uh, the final thing I'll say on Deuce Vaughn. All right. So before we take a look now, when we put things together, any comments or anything you wanted me to touch upon? Okay.
1: No nah, man, I just want—I just want to hear the rankings at this point. Let's see what, what—what—well, what hap- I mean, what happens?
2: All right, so what happens now? And I'm—we're just going to talk about just the prospects in this class. We won't think about in the historical perspective, uh, other than to say that Melvin Gordon is still an absolute beast. You have once we put this together, and I sort this top to bottom and what we're doing in this case is we're giving now much more credit to just rushes of greater than 15 whereas in the past we were blending them fairly equally with runs uh, at 15 20 and 40. when we do this we still have mcbride coming in as the top player uh followed by zach evans but then we see this tremendous jump Curtis, can you anticipate who's going to be the player that has taken this tremendous jump?
1: I mean, probably Robinson. Right? Well, Gibbs?
2: Deuce Vaughn oh, man. slides in now within nah. a point of Zach Evans.
1: I mean, it's fine. Like, that's great. It's fine. It's fine.
2: I So mean, here's the piece of context we're going to I wrap around I can't get this. over
1: this. I can't get over this one. Okay, like we're not making this a freaking Deuce Vaughn episode, but um, uh, <laughs> this, this quote I haven't been able to get over because I think it's probably a quote you could get from 32 teams in the league. He's tough and he's fun to watch, but it, he is an impossible sell in our building because of his size.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Yeah. So honestly, the other thing that I want to add here is when I started reading off those names of players that have historically, you know, crushed the metric. One thing that you'll notice is that the players that didn't hit were not the guys that had that real early draft capital. Now we know that Deuce Vaughn isn't going to get it. So unfortunately, as impressive as this is, it's probably going to be rendered you know, moot by the fact that he's not going to get the draft capital needed. You know, a couple of years back, we saw a guy like Javian Hawkins score very well, ended up going undrafted. You know, when that happens, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. So we did get a lot of appreciation for Deuce Vaughn and I enjoy calling him out, but I think it's true that, excuse me, that it's probably not going to matter. Uh, a player that did get a nice boost here though, um, Keaton Mitchell. He scores in this metric a 90, um, sorry, a uh, 101. So just a couple points behind Vaughn and Evans. And then we see Bijan Robinson, who's coming in with a 99 now, just a little bit behind them. So we do have some concentration. Interestingly, though, even though McBride adds essentially nothing to his score via receptions here, he still actually is somewhat distanced from those guys.
1: Well, you know, I've been looking at Mitchell a little bit. Uh, We've talked about him a couple times in our rookie ranking summits for the guide. If you give him like borderline round five, round six draft capital, so he gets drafted middle of day three, he does pull in, you know, a couple of interesting names. His number one, his number one, Sam in the prospect box score scout, even if we give him a draft position of 150, is Jamal Charles. Um, love it. Yeah. It was just, I mean, you know, it's fine. Um, you know, but he gets Jeffrey Wilson, uh, you know, who's made a bit of a name for himself, uh, for fantasy pur- purposes, Tevin Coleman. Um, and then, you know, some other names that were drafted <coughs> and never really materialized, you know, Kendall Hunter, Javon Ringer, Justice Hill, Paul Perkins. I mean, he kind of feels like one of those latter names to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, those were all guys that got kind of fantasy sleeper status, couldn't really string together enough games to, you know, become, you know, super relevant in dynasty. But I remember like stream starting Paul Perkins a couple times, you know, that one season and redraft definitely yeah. started Kendall Hunter a time or two. Tevin Coleman was relevant for multiple years. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you get into the fourth round of your rookie draft, you're like staring at the 410, 411, 412, especially in a one QB uh, dynasty rookie draft, that type of thing. Or, you know, maybe it's even after your rookie draft and you're trying to turn over the bottom of your roster. You're still carrying, you know, some dead weight, you know, you haven't cut Tom Brady yet, you know, that type of stuff. And, (laughs) and you're after your rookie draft and you're looking for some of those priority free agents that you can go out and spend some of your, uh, blind bid dollars on, you know, these are the types of names that you, you keep an eye on, you keep an eye on Keaton Mitchell, you keep an eye on Deuce Vaughn. Uh, because they score well in this metric, despite not getting the draft capital.
2: For sure. So the final name that I'll mention, um, Chase Brown coming in behind Robinson. Uh, So he kind of got a little bit of appreciation there. Uh, Jameer Gibbs and Sean Tucker, along with uh, Charbonnet finishing in the middle of the pack. Gibbs, though, relative to where he would have been before, as one might expect, gets a little bit of a jump. And then finally, there's two players that I, I do want to mention here. Um, Israel Abanakanda, who I've been a pretty big fan of, who struggled in the regular breakaway rush metric, um, does not do very well here either. But the, the crazy thing, Curtis, is though, that some of it just happens to be a artifact Of the way that this is put together, because in comparison to some of these other players, he did have a fair amount of like really, really long runs, uh, especially ones that went for touchdowns. Unfortunately, though, those just historically haven't factored into the math that's going to get you to the final answer uh, for the metric. But I think it's worth saying that he definitely does have a level of explosion that I don't think is getting properly captured here. So he's one of those edge cases that you can't, uh, you know, get into the model, which sometimes happens, uh, but I still like him. And as we've talked about before, you know, depending on where a player gets selected in the full context of their profile, you're going to overlook a poor score here. What, uh, happens, and then,
1: um, what happens with Tank Bigsby in the model? Yeah, Tank Bigsby,
2: he still is a bottom quartile um because actually really? his uh his receptions um he only had thirteen beyond ten, which is kind of like middle of the pack, just okay. five beyond fifteen. He didn't really have uh you know much to add to his to his his scores there. And then we talked about Roshan Johnson and Kenny Mitchell putting up bad numbers when we were looking at rushes, and it's a equally horrid picture when you look at this, uh, this new version of the metric accounting for receptions.
1: All right. Give me one more off the radar name, um, either to the positive or the negative. Uh, I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to the article. We'll make sure that everyone gets a chance to to check that out, but give me just one more name here before we close, uh, that she either, you know, maybe make it on to that you know, priority rookie free agent list, or there you know, maybe is as a, you know, n- not a dart, you know, it should just be off of our list based off of what's happening with these scores.
2: All right, let me quickly think through that. I, I'm, I'm trying to pick this player uh, thoughtfully here. And uh, I am going to say that It's kind of difficult here because, um, all right, I think this is notable. Kendra Miller, last time we talked, when you're looking just at the rushing, uh, actually was in like the, towards the top quartile, just outside of it, when you're looking at the rushing. Yeah, he had a
1: 133 in the original article. Uh, He was kind of right there with Ty J Spears and actually above Bajan Robinson.
2: Yeah. So in this new formulation, he falls down uh, well behind guys like Spears, Brown, a chain, even, even below somebody like Muhammad Ibrahim. Um, So he's really um, taken a fall as a result of this. Um, I think that's, that, that's all that I have on Kendra Miller. Yes.
1: So so that's fine. I mean, maybe it's, uh, you know, Hey, if, if you're struggling to make a selection in the, in the top of the second round, right? I mean yep. in one QB rookie drafts, you know, Kendra Miller I've seen, you know, commonly selected between two oh one and two oh six, you know, maybe 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 he belongs, you know, toward the bottom um, of that tier instead. Maybe he's more of a later round guy. Sounds like, you know, if, if you're gonna use this metric as a, a heavy hitter in your draft planning, you know, Zach Evans Dwayne McBride, you know, maybe they're better. Devin Achain, maybe better investments there in the second round. So if you're at the top of the second, you know, maybe you trade back a couple spots, take one of those guys, get a little bit of extra draft capital for your troubles.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's that's a good use of of this metric. Um, in the article that I will get up hopefully tomorrow, if not, it will be on the site Monday too. I'm going to add in some of the historical context too because i just think it's always fun to look and see at the past players that that crushed things uh and we'll have to see the magnitude with which melvin gordon uh just shows himself to have been an absolute stud because he was just so ridiculous in college um the the (laughs) final thought that i have here is i really wish that i had play-by-play data for jamal charles i just don't because i feel like Or Ricky Williams. There's a couple of backs who I feel like if I could go back and pull that in, they would just be off the charts.
1: All right. Let's end the episode with a total veer. I made one more dynasty trade on the clock um, yesterday. So I sent Michael Thomas. I received the 301 in an you know in progress dynasty rookie draft. And then I selected Jonathan Mingo.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. How'd I do?
2: Give me the pieces one more time. Now that I know I need to create it, I'm going to think about it differently. I sent
1: Michael Thomas. Yep. And I received the 301 and used it on Jonathan Mingo. Um. hmm. Win, lose, don't care. I think it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it might be
2: it might be kind of neutral. I yeah. think, regardless of that, what this is, this is just a lose for Michael Thomas. My oh my, how the you know how the yeah. mighty have fallen. Um, so, are we saying that Michael Thomas's value right now is a is a late third rounder,
1: early third? I mean, it was a 301. Oh, sorry, early third. Yeah, it was a three hundred one. Okay. I mean, yeah, and a one QB. I mean, I think that is his value. You know, he's 30, yeah, thirty-one he years is. old. hasn't been relevant in two years. You know,
2: actually, that that. That even might be, uh, might even be friendly toward Michael Thomas.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, is is Derek Carr going to rescue him when Chris Olave and Jawan Johnson and Alvin Kamara are still there, and a likely, you know, additional offensive weapon is taken? Um, you know, before the end of day two, I don't know.
2: So basically, what's happened on this show this week is we have just dumped on Debo Samuel and
1: Michael Thomas. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's probably fair. That's, that's, pro, that's probably fair. Uh, we'll be back next week with some pre-draft stuff. I mean, the NFL draft is, uh, as we're recording this on a Thursday night, it's it's literally a week away. So we'll be back next week talking uh, more rookies, perhaps some more Dynasty content. Uh, we do plan, just as a public service announcement, we do plan to get volume three of the Rotaviz fantasy football rookie draft guide out next Sunday in advance of when all of those dynasty rookie drafts typically start uh, the, the Monday following the NFL draft. So man, it's, it's fun. Go back and listen to the episodes earlier this week. If you want to get some ideas for some dynasty trades ahead of your rookie drafts, this is a good time, you know, these next seven, eight days to make some trades in advance of, of the reality draft.